Um, it really is so good to be worshiping with all of you today. Um, if you are with us for the very first time today, my name is Pat Malloy. I'm the lead pastor here, and I would love just the opportunity to connect with you after service today. So make sure you come up, find me. I'll try to be outside, and you can just come and uh, just introduce yourself, share with me a little, about, little bit about yourself. But just what a, a great day to be in church today, and I pray that you're going to leave just blessed and encouraged and having had an encounter with God um, in one way or another today. And let me, it is great to be back in the, the saddle again today. Let me just begin this morning by acknowledging Paul Wilkin. Um, can we just thank Paul for just the series that he shared with us over the last couple weeks? Paul, Paul just did such a, a wonderful job sharing uh, the spiritual transformation series. And, and one of the things that I'm so incredibly grateful for and, and appreciative of is just the honesty and the transparency and the humility of those within our church family. Um, just, you know, Paul shared some very personal, some very intimate things from his life and the work that God has been doing in his life, and I just appreciate just Paul's vulnerability. But even last week during our communion comments, Melissa Latheon um, was also just very vulnerable with us as well. And um, when she was when she was sharing, and, and I, I just think, man, just what what a beautiful thing it is for God's people just to be willing to be open and to share the deep things um, with with one another, and just be being an encouragement to to each other. The the things that that often maybe we don't like to open up and we don't often like to talk about. And, and I'm just grateful that, that God has put together just a, a family of believers here that, that we can do that, that we can just be real and honest and vulnerable with one another. And so if you are here for the first time, you're gonna soon find out that we are a church made up of imperfect people who are worshiping and serving a, a perfect God. And, and this is kind of the idea that's gonna be at the heart of of our new series that we're beginning today, and we're calling it Deconstructing Faith. Deconstructing Faith. And, and this series came from a message that, that I shared last year in, in a, uh, it was in a different series, and I just kind of shared one message just about the, the struggles of doubt and, and deconstruction, and, and I received just a, a lot of feedback about, about it because it was speaking to a lot of where people are, questions that people are asking, and, and talking about an issue that many people feel but often don't feel permission to talk about and to share openly. And, and so in, in this series, um, we're going to kind of, we're going to go a little bit deeper with it in this series. And, and I'm giving everybody in here just permission to be real and to be vulnerable and to be honest and authentic because I'm going to be with you as well. I'm going to be with you as well. And, and if I'm being honest, I think we can probably all know this and acknowledge this to one degree or another, there, there's way too much just like posing and pretending that takes place, not only within the church at large, but just everywhere we go. It, it's easy to, you know, like snap a, file, a, a smiling uh, picture and, and posting it on Instagram while on the inside, you actually feel like you're just dried up and, and dying on the inside. It's, it's easy to put on a smile and pretend like everything is, is okay, but at home, all hell is breaking loose within your marriage or with your kids. And, and so not just with this series, but just in general, I, I just want us just to be able to take the mask off, just to be able to, to share and, and, and put away the, the posing, put away the pretending, and just be the real and vulnerable people that God has called us to be. Now, I came across a, a video this week that, um, or actually, I'm sorry, it was about maybe two weeks ago that, that really made me laugh. And before I show it to you, um, I, I'm sure 
many of us have probably seen some kind of either video or picture that, that are often labeled oddly satisfying. Have you ever like heard or seen some of these like oddly satisfying pictures or videos? You know, um, maybe maybe it's something like power washing. You know, like and and you see like somebody who's power washing and they're just blasting all like the the grime and the dirt and you're just oh man that just feels great just to watch somebody to watch somebody do that or like and and this is I, I'm just gonna be honest with you this is something I love is peeling painter's tape off, and there's just like a, a really clean line, and, and I just like, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Like, pe- ta- taking, taking that film off a new cell phone, and just, yeah, you know, it, it's just wonderful. It's great. You know, you, we, we love those kinds of things. And where, where things just kind of just fit. They fit perfectly. And, and there's some psychology behind why we appreciate those things. Because, because our, our brains are are hardwired to like order rather than chaos. Our, 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 our minds, our eyes, they, they look for patterns. We look for symmetry. We, we look for things that have, that have answers, that, that are completed. One, one thing we, we often don't like, that, that our brains don't often care for, is, is when things are left out there just unresolved. And so with that in mind, I'm gonna share this video with you with the caption, and there's no sound to it, so it's just it's just a video. But with the caption of unsatisfying situations, if you can play this video of unsatisfying situations, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like <laughs> right? You remember those days? Yeah. <laughs> and who hasn't been here? And nothing. Right. <laughs> like, and, and like, don't some of those just kind of like drive you crazy? Like, you, you see some of those. That, like, I, I remember the, the DVD, bouncing DVD one, just cracked me up because it reminded me of the, the office cold opener where they're in the, the conference room and they're watching just for the DVD cube just to perfectly hit the corner and, and everybody's so excited when it finally happens. And, and, and it's so funny because I remember doing that when I was in school, just being bored and watching and just like praying and hoping it was just going to fit just perfectly into the corner and then it just kind of just bounces out and, and, and it's just a little bit off. And, and, and I think about that because it never seemed to quite fit. Like it, no, matter, no matter what, it, didn't, it never seemed to fit exactly into the corner. It always was just a little off, a little skew and then it would bounce away. And I think about this because this similar thing can apply in our, in our faith journey, in our spiritual walk as well. That sometimes it feels like things aren't fitting exactly right. That, that sometimes we're left feeling unsatisfied in our walk and our journey with God. That we had this thought, we had this expectation that things were going to be a certain way. They were going to turn out a certain way. That, that when we put our faith in God, when we prayed about something, it was going to happen and then it didn't. It didn't go in the way that we thought it was going to. And and we wait our whole lives for things to work out. We wait our whole lives for for that DVD cube to fit perfectly in the corner. 
but then it feels like it never quite does. It gets close at times, but then it bounces out and the whole thing is all screwed up again. And, and it can naturally lead us to feeling dissatisfied in our faith walk, in our faith journey, that we thought things were going to turn out one way and they ended up being something else completely. And maybe, maybe one of these situations I'm going to describe applies to you, that may, maybe you've been praying and you've been going to church and you've been trying to, to follow the ways of Christ and you're, and you're faithful and you're fighting for your marriage and yet your marriage still falls apart. Or you're trying to save and you're trying to be prudent with your money and you're tithing and, and you're trying to cut back on how often you go out to eat and any extra spending, but you never feel like you ever seem to get ahead. Like there's always the water heater goes out or a car repair or a medical bill of one kind. Maybe you or a friend or a relative is somebody who, who's just been uh, dealing with some sort of disease or affliction and you've been praying and you've been believing and you've been trusting God. You've been begging him for healing to happen. And then it doesn't. And the person passes away. Maybe you trusted people that, that they were going to that they were going to protect you, that they were going to be there for you, that they were going to care for you. Maybe a coach, a, a relative, a, a teacher, a pastor, someone you trusted. Maybe somebody who even carried the, the, the title of Christian and in one way or another they, they violated or they abused you and, and your faith gets, gets rocked. Or, or maybe, maybe you hear about the love of Jesus. You, you read about the way that, that he just had love and compassion with everybody that he encountered. Like his grace was so freely flowing to those around him and yet you look around and some of the people who claim to bear his name are some of the, the cruelest and hypocritical and mean and uncaring and judgmental people that you come across. I, I mean, there's endless examples of this that, that make me think of that video we watched just a few moments ago where it's just like, all right, I, I, like I, want, I want that ball to go through the hoop and yet it always seems to bounce out. It doesn't seem to always, ever fit right square and neat in the corner. And some of these situations that we find ourselves in leave us feeling unsatisfied in our faith journey, where we thought it was going to look one way and it's turned out some way completely different. Where, where we, we read the Bible, we hear the words of Jesus, we read the words of Paul, we, we hear the promises of God, and we have a hard time reconciling that and squaring that with the reality that, that, that our life has in front of us. And the way I see it, and I, and I could be wrong, but the way I see it, there's that we can have kind of like three different responses when, when we come to dealing with some of those, um, uh, those, those tension points where, where it feels like our, our faith is being rocked, where, where we thought one thing and, and it's, everything seems to be a different way, so, something else. And, and there's three different ways that we can kind of address the, these issues, these doubts, these, these struggles that we have. We, we, can, we can ignore them and just keep on going. We can just try to sweep them under the rug and pretend they don't exist and shove them down and we just kind of keep going as we've always done before and we just try not to think about it. That's one way we can deal with those, those types of situations. Another one is we can walk away from our faith altogether. That maybe, you know, we've had these struggles and doubts and things that just don't make sense and we, like I said, we have a hard time squaring the the. Uh, the, the scriptures and the, and the words of Jesus with the reality of life, and we just think, you know what, maybe everything I've ever believed is just wrong, so I'm just going to scrap it all and just walk away. Or we, we, can, we can lean in and we can learn to wrestle with, with our doubts and our struggles 
and our questions, those things that don't make sense. We, like, we can acknowledge the reality that our faith journey doesn't fit nice and neat into a little box. Our faith journey is not going to be that DVD cube that fits nicely into the corner. It's going to bounce out at times. And, and as much as we wish things were black and white, the, the longer I've walked with Jesus, the more I've realized there is way more gray in this world. There's way more gray in, in, our, in our faith walk than there is just black and white. And things are not so easily just cut and dry. And, and, and that's the heart of this series, is, is that what, what happens when our doubts begin to overwhelm our faith? That how do we handle it when we have questions that we don't have satisfactory answers for? Like how can we hold on to our faith when it feels like everything else is trying to derail our faith that we have. And, and I believe this to be an appropriate topic as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection next Sunday and, 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 and Jesus and the aftermath of, of that most pivotal moment in all of history. And so we're calling this series Deconstructing Faith. And today what I want to do is I want to center on that, that first word in, in, the, in the series title, Decon, deconstructing or, or deconstruction. And, and, and really, deconstruction is kind of a, a buzzword in Christian circles. It has been for a couple of years now. And, and really, the word deconstruction, it was coined by the French philosopher Jacques Derrida. And this is, this is him right here. And he started using the term deconstruction in the 1960s. And, and he used the word to describe the revealing of hidden assumptions we have about the world. Like, essentially, deconstruction was the process of learning to examine the glasses through which we view life, the way we view the world, our underlying assumptions, our pretenses that influence how we interpret the world around us. Now, for our purposes, I want to give kind of a a definition of spiritual construction as it it, uh, applies to our Christian faith, and it's this idea that the process of taking apart and examining an idea, a tradition, a practice, or a belief to determine its truthfulness, usefulness, and impact. Now, let me just kind of say that again because that's a a mouthful. But the process of taking apart and examining an idea, a tradition, a practice, or a belief to determine its truthfulness, usefulness, and impact. Now, I'll, I'll say from the outset, just, this is just an observation, that in and of itself, dis- deconstruction is neither good nor bad in and of itself. There, there are some in Christian circles that, that denounce any, any thought of spiritual deconstruction. Like, they, they would argue that, that, you know, spiritual deconstruction, deconstructing faith, is kind of a flippant way of disregarding one's faith or disregarding a part of one's faith as a way of kind of making the hard things of Christianity more palatable, of saying, all right, I don't like that aspect of it, so I'm just going to ignore it. I'm just going to kind of throw it away. And, and, and the critics of, of spiritual deconstruction would, would often say that, is, all right, it, it's trying to cherry pick and pick and choose, all right, what aspects of faith, what aspects of Christianity do I like? What are the ones that I don't? And they view any, any idea of, of this idea of spiritual deconstruction, of, of, of taking apart and examining some of the things that we believe and some of the things we do as followers of Jesus as an attack on Christianity itself. And no doubt, like, like most any spiritual practice, like it can be abused, absolutely, 100%. I, I will acknowledge that that is something that can happen in this process. But, but on the other side, 
And, and as your pastor, I think it's important for you to, to hear where I'm coming from because this is where I land on it. I, I, w- I would argue that deconstruction is a vital and necessary step in our ongoing faith formation as a follower of Jesus. It's, it's vital. It's important for us to do. Re- recognizing that, that our, our faith journey is not a linear path. That there's twists and turns, there's zigs and zags, there's steps forward and then there's steps backward as well. That our faith journey is not a linear path. And as we learn, as we grow, as we, as we wrestle with what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus, we ought to be examining ourselves. We ought to be examining those things that, that we've always held on to. And say, all right, why do I believe what I believe? Am I believing it just because my grandma taught it to me? and my mom taught it to me, and my pastor taught it to me, or this is what the, my church tradition has always been? Is it, is it real? And so as we begin this series and, and, and talking, just kind of journeying through some of these sticky topics together, there, there's a foundational uh, statement I want to make that, it, that is going to be huge for us as we go through this entire series. And so it's a very simple statement, but it's this idea that God can handle our questions. It seems very simple, but it's something that needs to be said, that God can handle our questions. Like when, when I first became a follower of Jesus, I was, in, I was a teenager, and I was a part of a very uh, fundamentalist, legalistic church. And, and for me, like I, as, as, a, as a new follower of Jesus, I had all sorts of questions. I, I, I just, I wanted to know, I wanted to have an understanding of why. I was probably one of those obnoxious, like, toddlers. Why? You, you know, like, the, the ones that just ask you why all the time. And that's kind of how, how, how I am. Like, that's the way that I'm wired. You've heard me share this before, that, that I, I've always had just an affinity for, for science. I love science. Physics is, is my jam. I was a physics minor in, in college. And part of the reason that I love physics is because it really kind of gives an explanation of why things happen the way they do. It helps us to kind of understand the world that is going on around us and why things behave, why things act the way they do. You know, Newton's laws of motions, the laws of thermodynamics, the laws of, of light reflection and refraction. Like, like when we can understand these, when we, we, we get a, a, an explanation, we get a glimpse into why things happen the way that they do. That's, it's part of the reason I love physics. And, and being new to the faith, I had a lot of questions because I wanted to understand I wanted to know. I wanted to know, all right, why do we take communion? What, what's, why do we do that? Why do we begin each service with, with worship? Why, why do we tithe? But then I also had harder questions. Like, okay, if Jesus is the only way, then what about people in remote places that have never heard about Jesus? Like, is God really gonna turn them away simply because they were born at the wrong place or at the wrong time? Why, why does the Bible seem to condone genocide? You know, like I, I would ask these kinds of tough questions, you know, like that. And, and often the response I would get is, you just need to trust God. You just need to trust God that he knows what he's doing, that his way is right. And, and I'll be honest, like for me, that was not a very satisfying answer whatsoever at all. Like essentially I was told to, you know, just shut up. You need to just believe and that my questions, and I was actually told this, that my questions revealed a lack of faith on my part. 
that I ought to just trust God, that he knows what he's doing and I don't have to understand it all. There's a degree of truth to that, I suppose. But, but it's also not a, like I said, it's not a very satisfying response to people, especially people that, that have inquiring minds, that want to understand, that want to know. There's a very famous preacher that if I shared his name, you would likely all know who, who he is. And, and he, he emphatically has said many times, quit questioning God and start trusting him. And again, while, while again, there's a degree of truth to that, I want you to hear today that I don't believe that is the heart of God, that I think God can handle our questions. He can handle our questions. And, and this is a common theme throughout Scripture. A common theme throughout Scripture is that, that when people didn't understand, they questioned God. God, I don't get this. Why is this happening? I thought things were going to go this way, and they're not. I, 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 I need an explanation. I mean, if you think about Moses, he, he's kind of the linchpin of the entire Old Testament, the entire story of the Israelite people. And he, he, he got, at one point, he just gets fed up with, with the quarreling and the bickering of the Israelite people that, that he'd been tasked to lead. And, and, and I absolutely love this passage in Numbers chapter 11. You don't often preach from the book of Numbers, but Numbers chapter 11, starting in verse 11. I, I, I just, just hear Moses' heart here. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? Like, why, why did you do this to me? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing into me. Give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, like Moses is kind of bold here. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I've found favor in your eyes and do not let my face, do not let me face my own ruin. Like, I mean, like Moses, he just kind of reached that spot where he was like, God, I don't get it. Is this really what, what, what life is about? Is this really what being your chosen people is? To lead around these, these whining, complaining folks? Like, did I give birth to all them? Like, I, I, I just love his honesty. You think of David, the greatest king that Israel had. He questioned God. Psalm chapter 10, or Psalm 10 verse 1. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself? In times of trouble. Three Psalms later in Psalm 13, he says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Again, like he, he's reaching this place of just saying, God, I, I don't get it. I, I'm struggling to understand. What is it you are doing right now? The prophets Jeremiah and Habakkuk, they question God about the same topic. In Jeremiah 12, 1, Jeremiah says, You are righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Like, <laughs> don't you love that? All right, God, you, you are always good, but let me tell you something. I don't get, I don't get you. 
is essentially what he's saying. Uh, Yet I would speak to you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live in ease? Like he's looking around and saying, all right, God, you're like, I'm trying to live for you, and my life just sucks right now. And I look around, and everybody else that's far from you, they seem to just be having a great time. Does that seem just? Like that, that's what he's asking. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. He asks the very same question. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife. Conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Like, I mean, I, again, people just saying, all right, God, I, I know what I, I, I think I know you, but the reality of life is not squaring with what I thought I knew about you. And I don't get it. The 12 disciples, they, they questioned Jesus when they didn't understand one of his teachings, when they didn't understand the parables that he was, that, that he was sharing. Like they questioned him and saying, all right, Jesus, you asked us to go and cast out demons and we couldn't do it. You can. Why can't we be like you? Like I don't get it. Even Jesus himself questioned the Father. When Jesus was, was hanging on the cross in, in his worst moment in Matthew 27, 46, it says that about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus questioned his father. And in all these instances, there was a certain degree of, of deconstruction that was happening. That for Moses and for David and for Jeremiah and Habakkuk, the disciples, and, and even for Jesus himself, like they had an idea of what they thought God was like, of what they thought that this being called by him and what this spiritual journey was going to be like, and then life was nothing like they thought it was going to be. And they have doubts, and they have questions, and they have struggles. Like they'd been viewing life and viewing faith through this one lens and it's not turning out like they thought it was going to. God wasn't doing what they thought he was going to do. They had one understanding and now things just weren't making sense. And I say all that to say, again, God can handle our questions. If, if, if God can handle Jesus questioning him, if God can handle Moses struggling in his faith and doubting. If God can handle Jeremiah and Habakkuk and the, and the disciples and King David, surely he can handle our questions too. Surely he can handle when us wrestling with our faith and trying to understand, God, I don't get it, it's not making sense. I'm wanting to believe and yet I'm struggling with doubt. I'm wanting to believe yet things aren't going like I thought they were going to. And, and maybe... Maybe for yourself or maybe somebody you know, a relative, a loved one, has been struggling with, with doubt, has been struggling with some of these unanswered questions, questions they can't quite figure out. 
And you find yourself in, in this place where, where your belief and your unbelief are in conflict with one another. Lord, I, I believe this about you, and yet I'm also struggling with some unbelief. I'm struggling with some doubt. Like, we, we want to have faith. We want to trust God no matter what. We want to believe, and yet we look around, and there's that nagging doubt. There's that nagging struggle, that whisper in our ear. Like, how many times I've prayed, and, I, and I've told God, God, I want to believe you, but I'm finding it really hard to trust you right now. I want to believe. I don't know that I do right now. I want to believe that you're going to work this situation. Man, that first song we, we sang this morning, God will work it out. God, I want to believe you're going to work it out. But I'm kind of struggling to believe you actually will. How many times I've prayed that? And if, you're, if you find yourself there in, in that spot between your, your belief and your unbelief, there, there's kind of this, this tension that's there between the two, this tension between belief and unbelief. And, and tension can often feel very uncomfortable. Like, we've all been in a room where it's just really tense, and maybe nothing's being said, but you just kind of like can feel it in the room. Like, tension can feel very uncomfortable. And while tension can feel uncomfortable, tension can also be a very beautiful thing as well. A number of years ago, I was blessed to be able to go to New York City, and I sat, or not sat, I stood on the Brooklyn Bridge. If you can actually put a picture of it up. I mean, the Brooklyn Bridge, is, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of engineering. But that entire bridge is held together by tension. There's over 14,000 miles of steel wire and cable that are held under high tension that, that support that bridge, that hold it up. And that tension, even though it can be uncomfortable, is actually a very beautiful thing. It, it, or if you've ever like, listened to somebody play the piano before, or, you know, like, you know, maybe you've, you've heard, you know, Mozart's Piano Concerto Number no. 5, or, or maybe, like, on the other end of the spectrum, you, you've heard, you know, the opening guitar riff from Sweet Child of Mine. Like, like the, the same concept is true of both, that you can only hear that sound because of the tension that's there on the string. Reading a good book, watching a good movie, like, it's only a good book, it's only a good story, because of somewhere along the line, some tension was introduced into the story. And, and the characters have to figure out, all right, how am I going to navigate this tension? How am I going to navigate this issue, this problem, this, this stuff that's going on right here? And so while tension can be uncomfortable, it can also produce beautiful results if we allow it to. And I want you to know, like, in the end, my, my heart, my heart for our church is that we would be a safe place for people to wrestle with their doubts, to wrestle with their struggles, their uncertainties, where, where we can be a, a group of people that we can acknowledge that life is messy, faith is messy. There's times that things happen that just don't make sense. There, there's things that we don't have an explanation for, that, that, that we can be a place for people to ask questions, for people to be curious to admit that we don't know everything, that we don't have all the answers. I, re I read one time, 
And, and I, love, I love this quote. The author wrote, he said, sometimes the most, most faith-filled thing we can do is to tell God about all of our doubts, even if we aren't sure what's going to happen next. Sometimes the most faith-filled thing we can do is just go to God with our doubts. And so let me, let me ask this, I, and, I, and I, I want you just to ponder these next three questions I'm going to throw your way. I'm not looking for an answer, I'm not giving you homework, but it's something I just really want you to meditate and reflect on. But, but what if we let God be a part of our process of believing? That I think, I think often we, we sometimes exclude God from our, 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 our process, our faith. Like we're trying to work all of this out in our mind. But what would it be like if we allowed God to be a part of our process of believing? Like what would happen if we spoke to God with complete honesty about everything we don't understand and struggle with? Like isn't that funny? Like I... I, I how many times I've done this too, where, where it's, it's easy to like pretend in front of other people. How often we've tried to pretend with God? Like he knows. He recognizes that. Like doesn't it take faith just to admit to God, I don't even know how to pray right now. I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even, I don't even know what to say. Because at the end of the day, faith is not a commodity that, that, that somebody can buy or own. It's, it's not something that you either have or you don't. Faith is an instant all the time. Faith is actually a process. And perhaps we, we've overemphasized like dramatic conversion stories to the detriment of those who have struggled with their hard-won faith over a series of conversations over years of wrestling with, with God and wrestling with the scriptures and, and wrestling with the text. And we all find God in different, in different questions and different processes. But at the end of the day, Jesus still saves. Like the, the catch is that for some, faith comes in an instant. For others, it takes years. For some, it's lost only to be found many years later. But the good news is there, there's room and there's safety here for us to struggle and wrestle with what does our faith journey really look like. That's my heart for us as a church, that we would be that place. And this is the last point, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, is that our faith is a journey, not a destination. Our faith is a journey. It's not a destination. We, that we will never come to a place where we have arrived. Not on this side of eternity. That won't happen. Our faith is constantly a journey. And like I said before, that journey has twists and turns, zigs and zags, steps forward and stumbles backward. And so I want to close this morning just with a, a final thought. And if you could put that, that uh, deconstruction Sermon point number one, back up on the screen. I, I want to just share this one final time with us today, and we'll, we'll come back to this throughout the series. But this idea, it's, it's the process of taking apart, taking apart, examining, looking at it from every which way, from different angles, different perspectives. An idea, a tradition, a practice, or a belief to determine, all right, is this, 
Is this true? Is, is this thing that I've believed, is, is it real? Is it true? Is it useful? Is it impactful? Like de deconstructing faith doesn't mean that we just throw everything away that we've always believed. That, that's not what we're talking about here. Like in, in some ways it makes me think of the game Jenga. You guys ever remember playing Jenga, you know, the, the tower game, and you, you pull the piece out, and like in some ways it kind of reminds me of, of that. Like, and people have different strategies for, like, how they want to do it, you know. Like, for me, like, I, I would tend to like to play it safe because I didn't want it to fall over. So I, I take, like, the middle one out so it's a little more stable. But if you take, like, the two ends out, then it starts to wobble. It starts to tip a little bit. You start losing some of that stability. And if you're not careful, the entire tower comes crashing down. But in the end, even if the tower does come crashing down, the goal is, all right, we're going to we're going to reconstruct it. We're going to put it back together. And the end is what we're talking about just with, with, with doubt, deconstructing faith, struggles. At the end of the day, we, we take apart, we examine, we look at, all right, what are those things that I've always believed, that I've thought? What, what are those things that, that lend through which I'm viewing life and faith and God? And maybe there's some things I need to discard, but what can I do to actually reconstruct and rebuild a faith that's actually stronger in the end than it was at the beginning? That, that's my prayer as we move forward in this series. I'm excited about it, and, and I just want to encourage you, if, if maybe you have a, a friend, a relative, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody who's been asking questions, who's been struggling with doubt, like I want you to know I'm not going to have all the answers. Like, the, the, the point of this series is not to have an answer for every question that's out there. Like, I'm, I'm promising you that. I don't have it. But I'd encourage you, if you have friend, relative, neighbor, somebody, invite them to come sit with you. Be a part of this series together. Just as we take a look at, all right, what does it mean to be a faithful follower of Jesus right now in 2023? But the Bible's more than just, you know, stories that were written thousands of years ago. What does it mean for us today? How do I, how do I live this out today? How do, how do I continue to live a life of faith in spite of the fact that I have doubts and struggles, in spite of the, thing, the, the times I can't quite square it all and make it fit? How do we hold on to faith? How do we construct something that is going to stand the test of time? For each one of us. So I'm going to invite our, our uh, worship team to come forward. I'm going to pray right now. And Lord, we, we just want to tell you how much we love you and how thankful we are for you, God, for the way that you move in our lives, Lord, the way that you continue to, to bless. And, and God, that you, that you are okay with our struggles. You are okay with our doubts. You're okay with our questions. You, you are okay with the things that, that maybe... We, we feel guilty about that. Maybe I shouldn't feel this way. God, you're all right with that. Lord, you just want us to come to you with, with honesty and with, with, with transparency, with forthrightness of, of just saying, God, this is where I am. And maybe I don't want to feel this way. But God, this is just, this is where I stand at this moment, Lord. And, and I'm, I'm just humbly coming to you and I'm asking, God, would you help make sense? Would you help me to, to go through this process? of taking a part, of examining, of, of figuring out, all right, what's real, what's not? What, what do I hold on to and what, what doesn't need to be there? And in the end, Lord, I, I pray for everybody that's a part of our, our Livingstones church family. 
God, that we would have a faith that is built stronger, that, that as we contend with our faith, as we ask those questions, as, as we make it real, as we make it our own, Lord, that it would be stronger on the other side, that we don't need to be ashamed of the questions, we don't need to be ashamed of, of, of the struggles, but God, we can come to you and know, God, that you, that you understand, that you're okay with it, Lord. And so, God, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, on our faith walk, God, I pray that you would just come and meet us right there as we just share openly and honestly about the doubts, the struggles, the fears, the uncertainties, Lord. God, we just give them to you and ask, God, for you to have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.